The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning. My name is Doug Fern. I'm one of the pastors here at Parkview, and it's my joy to be able to, this morning, just open God's Word um, and to be able to speak from it um, with you. We just want to welcome you. Glad you guys are here. Um, I can kind of join Charlie in the fact that we haven't been here a whole lot this summer, but um, in our absence, Parkview has moved forward, and uh, we have been going through a series called Portraits of Faith. Um, what we have been looking at in this series is each week taking a different individual, a different character, a man or a woman, um, in the New Testament and examining how God has uniquely invited them into his story and then used them to do really miraculous things. Um, our hope is that, and I think sometimes our tendency is that as we examine um, individuals from the Bible, as we hold them up as almost larger-than-life individuals, almost sometimes they can seem supernatural, especially when we look at people like Paul, for example. You can just be blown away by what God was able to do through him. That sometimes it can be even difficult for us to, to really even relate to these individuals who lived a long time ago. Um, and who did amazing things, things that maybe we, we have a hard time seeing ourselves participate in as well. But our hope, our prayer with this, this series this summer is that as we've kind of held them before you and, and scratched just a little bit beneath the surface, our prayer is that you will have seen that these are actually pretty ordinary individuals. And the reality is the extraordinary one is God who works in extraordinary ways through ordinary people. Um, this morning, my task is, as we kind of bring this series to a close, is to turn our sights on the individual in the New Testament by the name of Timothy. Um, Timothy is our focus, and, and you know, really as we even look at his life and, and people in the New Testament, we can also look at folks, the, the great thing about this series is we can look at the, at the folks in this church, the people that were just standing up on, on this stage a few minutes ago. Um, and see how God is working through those people. And if you, again, examine their lives, what you'll see is in the middle, there's, there's not a core of really gifted and talented people. Rather, you'll see people who are faithful and dependent on God's Spirit. We see that in the life of Timothy. Timothy is an individual who, throughout the New Testament, shows up time and time again. He is a co-laborer with Paul. He is a fellow worker. Paul and him have a unique relationship that is unlike any other relationship that Paul has. Oftentimes in the New Testament when Paul writes to him or refers to him in his writings, he calls him his, his son, his son. Paul sees Timothy as a, a spiritual son of sorts. We're going to be looking at uh, the majority of this morning, we'll be spending our time in 2 Timothy. And so if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, it is a lengthy text this morning. I'm going to read it for us. If you don't have the, your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, in which now he has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day that has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you um, for bringing us here this morning, Lord, and thank you for the life of Timothy, Lord. My, my prayer is that as we examine your words, as we examine your servant's life, Lord, that he would serve as an encouragement um, to us today to remain faithful, faithful to you, Father, and faithful to the people you have called. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Just give us the grace of faithfulness this morning. Encourage your saints, Lord, is our prayer. I pray you would also challenge us to take bold steps to proclaim your gospel um, wherever we go, Father. So I pray your truth, your spirit would be here with us today and that your truth would be illuminated as we examine your words, Father. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name. Amen. Well, um, as it were, Jerry, you have a, uh, a bulletin right there, right? And, and there's an insert. If you hold up that insert real quick and then on the back, let me see what that back A little bit of background information. Acts 16, if you could flip over there with me. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Starts off saying, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. This is Paul's second missionary journey through this area, what is now modern-day Turkey. Paul is going through Lystra, and he is going through Derby, um, Iconium. The last time that Paul had gone through this, this area, this place, um, they clubbed him almost to death, and they left him, dragged him outside of the city, left him at the side of the road as though he were dead. And it takes a special kind of courage on behalf of Paul, a special kind of Holy Spirit courage for Paul to go back to this place where he almost lost his life. But that is exactly the courage that Paul has. He goes back to Lystra. When he goes back, he, Tim and his family, they were most likely, we don't know for sure, they were most likely converts the first time through. Um, they most likely, that's how they, they got to familiar, be familiar with the gospel and, and gave their lives to the Lord. We don't know for sure. Um, going on in the text, it says uh, that there was a disciple there whose name was Timothy. So throughout the New Testament, when it refers to Timothy, when Paul talks to Timothy, he is called many different things. The first thing that Timothy is called when he's mentioned in the New Testament is a disciple. He is a learner. He's a follower of Jesus, a man who is committed to walking and growing closer to the Lord. When Timothy first encounters Paul when Paul first meets Timothy. Timothy, we know, is a disciple. He is walking with Jesus and growing his relationship with him. It goes on to say that he is the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. See, Timothy is the product. He is the son of a mixed 
marriage. His mom is a Jewish convert into Christianity. She is well acquainted with the scriptures. She has given her life to Jesus and she is now a Christian. While his father, the Bible says, is a Greek. That's another way of saying he is a pagan. He does not believe in Jesus. So there is this marriage and they are divided. There's a divided house. Mom, walking with the Lord, knows the scriptures. Dad, nothing to do with Jesus. That's Timothy's heritage. That's where he comes from. This would no doubt cause him to be, maybe feel a little lost in the middle, if you will, perhaps trying to figure out who he is, an identity issue. This would serve to be a significant hurdle for Timothy as his life goes on. Next thing it says is that he was spoken well of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. Timothy was a man of good reputation. He was a man of good reputation. This is most likely what initially drew Paul to Timothy. Timothy was spoken well of, not just in his city, not just in Lystra, but also in a neighboring town. People knew of this young man and they thought well of him. They had good things to say about Timothy. So he has a good reputation. Paul says that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Just before Paul goes on this journey, he actually loses, he separates ways from his traveling companion, Barnabas. That happens right before he meets Timothy. So Paul is no doubt already kind of got his antennas up, looking for someone, looking for an individual who he can invest in, who can travel with him, who can be gospel partners with him. And Paul finds a good one in Timothy. So, what does Paul do? It says... He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So knowing the the importance of getting the gospel message out on this journey, Paul wants to make sure there is no barrier, no barrier for the gospel to be proclaimed. And, and, And Timothy, not being circumcised, would serve as a significant barrier. So the first assignment he asked my boy to do is to get circumcised. That's the first thing he does. What an introduction to ministry. What an introduction to ministry. My man Timothy is all in. I, you can trust me on that. He is all in. His first assignment, the first thing he does, is to be circumcised. What's even more amazing than the fact that that was the first thing Paul asked him to do is that Timothy actually stayed with him. He actually went with Paul after that was the first thing that he asked him to do. It's a pretty miraculous thing. This shows us that Timothy is a man of commitment a man of loyalty, that he's faithful to his friend, that he's faithful to his, his God and the message of hope that he has to proclaim to the nations. And what we will see as we examine his life, as you watch Timothy live his life, you will see Timothy fully embraces tough assignment after tough assignment after tough assignment. Timothy is a faithful, faithful servant of the Lord. Other things that we learn from Timothy throughout the New Testament. We know that Timothy is a young individual. When Paul first met him in Acts, he's probably in his late teens, in his upper teens. When Paul writes to him at the time of 2 Timothy, um, we know that Timothy is probably in his late 30s. He is a young leader, a young leader in this new movement of gospel ministry. Paul instructs him in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. We see that Timothy is young, but Paul does not want his youthfulness to be a barrier to his ministry. Paul doesn't want his age to be a barrier to his ministry. And I think the same is true for us today. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be used in powerful ways to make his kingdom advance now, 
regardless of your age. Regardless of your age. We know that Timothy is young. He's young. Another thing that we learn is that Timothy is everywhere. He shows up all over the New Testament. He's credited helping Paul write 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. When Paul writes Romans, Timothy is with him. And two of the books in the New Testament are written to Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy. Timothy is everywhere in this early stages of the church. Timothy is to the New Testament, kind of what Kevin Bacon is to Hollywood. He's just in everything. He's in everything. He's all over the place. Timothy's everywhere. Third thing that we learn, uh, we learn actually from Philippians chapter 2. If you have that, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. Of all the people that Paul labors with, he has none like Timothy. Timothy's special. He has none like Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. Timothy has worth. He's valuable. He's significant. He's a key player for Paul. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul sees him as his own son. I hope there to send, therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Timothy has worth. He brings something to the table. He has a significant role that he will play in expanding the church in its early stages. And just the, the last thing to, to step on, and I think this is perhaps the thing that, to me, as I've read about Timothy's life and as I looked at this passage, the thing that's gotten me most excited and be able to help me relate the most to him is that Timothy is an ordinary cat. He's a completely ordinary dude. Despite his prominence in the New Testament, Timothy is, folks, a work in progress. He is a work in progress, an unfinished product. As we read Paul's writings, we learn that Timothy often battled with timidity, that he was tempted to let others take advantage of him, and that he struggled sometimes asserting himself in the leadership position that Paul had appointed him into. We also know that he struggled from a stomach ailment. The dude had a bad stomach. Um, many times, the men and the women of the Bible can seem, like I said, larger than life. These people can seem unteachable or unreachable. They can seem like we cannot relate to them, like they did amazing things that we could never imagine ourselves doing. But when we look at Timothy's life, we should see the exact opposite. We should see an ordinary dude who was faithful to God and who stepped up to the plate when he was called. An ordinary person. And his, 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 um, his usefulness to Paul, his usefulness to God, was not dependent on his, his fruitfulness necessarily. There were difficult times that Timothy had. There were churches that were leaders that were stepping down, that were being divided, and Timothy was there in the midst. Our proof, if you're here and you're serving ministry and, and you have a ministry you're, you're stepping into that God has called you to, whether it's your work, your family, whatever, and there's frustrations, there's challenges, your usefulness to God is not dependent on your fruitfulness. I guarantee you, if that was the case, if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't be in ministry anymore. All right? I wouldn't be in ministry. So oftentimes I can look back at years of laboring, whether it's at the spot or Faith Academy, and I can feel frustration because there's not the fruit that I want there to be there. I don't see it there. Well, my usefulness to God isn't dependent on what he does to me. 
okay? Or what he does through me, I should About to take his, his life. Paul is about to hear the verdict, which will put his head on the chopping block. He is about to die. This is his swan song, okay? The last letters, the last words that Paul pens is this book, 2 Timothy, all right? So as, Tim, as Paul sees his death approaching, his heart, his affections are turned towards someone who he loves dearly and who he sees as being a key player in the advancement of the gospel. So in his last words to Timothy, to his beloved son, what does Paul say? How does Paul start? We see three encouragements that he starts off with, three different encouragements. First encouragement that we see is an encouragement from his friendship, from his relationship with Timothy. Paul comes to the end of his life, he finds himself in a dungeon, in a pit, completely abandoned by friends, by um, former laborers in the faith, turns to Timothy, and he, he starts to write this letter. And the first thing he does is, when he calls Timothy, he calls him his beloved child. He reminds Timothy of his affection for him. He calls him his beloved child. Be sure that Paul has many instructions that will come, words of wisdom for Timothy, but where does he start? He starts with their relationship, with his love and affection for his son. You know, this, a couple weeks ago, I got an opportunity to spend about a week at a camp with a, a young man who I have had the privilege of being in his life since he was about 11 years old. Now he's, he's 23, and I've just got to see him grow up. Um, and it's been a joy. A couple weeks ago when we were together, um, it was an awesome time of being able to just, uh, just dive into his life, be able to have fun together, to catch up. Um, and, and one of the things that we did, probably the way that we spent most of our time, was just remembering, just remembering different stories, different things that happened, um, just different things that we shared with each other, people that came and go, kids that came and went. Um, we just remembered uh, most of the time. Now, granted, there was a significant amount of time where there were things that he was walking through that he was wrestling with that he really needed wisdom and sought that from me. But most of the time, we remembered just our history and relationship together and enjoyed that. See, that relationship that I had with him gave me leverage to speak truth into his life. The, the love, the affection that we have for one another gave me the, the freedom to speak words of wisdom into his life so that he might hear them. That's what, that's what we see here with Paul and Timothy. He's reminding Timothy, he's encouraging Timothy from his friendship. That what he is about to say, he has a position with Timothy that he can leverage now to speak words of wisdom and truth into Timothy's life. So the first encouragement that we see from, Timothy, from Paul to Timothy is encouragement from his friendship. The next encouragement that we see is encouragement from his foundation. Verse those um, who were first responsible, we learned, for Timothy's foundation, building a foundation in Timothy's life, um, was his, his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice. And this, is, this would step outside of what would be traditional Jewish protocol, tradition in, in, in Jewish um, heritage. Would not be for the mom and the grandma to be the ones responsible for sharing the scriptures and te building a foundation of faith in the life of the children. The, the person who's primarily responsible for that in the Old Testament is the father. That's the father's job is to get their children acquainted, well acquainted with the scriptures and to make sure that that child by the time they leave home has a foundation of which to build their life on. But not for Timothy. That didn't play out for Timothy. Remember, his mom was a, a Jewish believer, and his dad was a Greek 
pagan. So Timothy's dad was not there. His dad was not in the picture, not in the picture at all. There, somebody had to stand in the gap. Somebody had to step into Timothy's life and stand in the gap where the, where, where the dad was missing. And his mom and grandma were the ones who did that for him. And how thankful. Paul is reminding him, pointing him to look at the foundation that has been laid in his life. You know, um, as I think about, just real quick, as I think about Faith Academy and kind of what we do there, for those of you who don't know, we have a school on the southeast side of Iowa City um, where we started a couple years ago. This year it's going to be kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. We added a third grade classroom. Last year we had about 30 kids that were in the school, um, and we got to see just tremendous results and growth in those kids. You know, about 40% of the kids that started going to Faith Academy when they first started were reading below grade level. By the end of last year, we had up, uh, north of 85% of the student body was reading on target. So really good stuff that we see in terms of academic growth and progress. But really the reason that Faith Academy exists is because we believe in, in, in the necessity to lay a strong foundation in the lives of children, okay, in the lives of children. And so what we see is an opportunity. The mission of Faith Academy is to be able to make a Christ-centered, a rigorous Christ-centered education affordable to those who can never pay for it in their wildest dreams. That's the mission. What we try to do is provide an opportunity, an environment, an atmosphere where people can stand in the gap in the lives of young people. Much like Lois and Eunice did for Timothy, where there was brokenness in Timothy's life, where there was absence in Timothy's life, somebody had to step up to the plate. And that's been one of the greatest joys of the last couple of years of seeing people, individuals, people right now sitting here who've stepped up and who've stood in the gap for young people. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I was just talking to somebody whose sister is uh, going to be a third grader there this year, and he said, Doug, I don't know what you guys are doing down there, but I can't imagine anybody not sending their kid to that school. I, it's the middle of the summer. I come home and I see my little sister reading books. Who reads books in the summer? Like, that's what he said, you know? So there is a foundation that's being laid there that is phenomenal, that's really going to change the trajectory of these kids' lives. And just a shameless plug real quick, this Friday, we have an opportunity to invite you to come on down and pray with us. We're starting school on Monday, and at 8 o'clock on Friday night, we're just going to open the building for, for supporters, for prayers, for anybody who wants to come down to see the building and to just pray over the classrooms, over the staff and, and the desks that are in there, the students that will be in there on the 24th. So just want to make sure you're aware of that. would invite you to come on down. So Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy by pointing him to his foundation. Timothy, you have a strong foundation. You have folks who stood in the gap and who made sure that you knew the scriptures. The next encouragement we see from Timothy in verses 6 and 7 is an encouragement from his God. Paul reminds Timothy that he has a unique giftedness for ministry, for his calling, that God has gifted him in a very unique way to boldly proclaim the gospel and to suffer for it. Um, he reminds him of this giftedness, and he makes sure that Timothy knows where this gifting came from. He makes sure he knows where this gifting came from. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. God's the one who gave him the gift. God's the one who gave him the gift, and Timothy needs to be encouraged in that gift, encouraged in the gift. We also learn as we keep reading there in uh, verse 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. See, the amazing thing here that Paul is telling Timothy, and it's true for us today, that it, to be successful in what God has called you to, he has equipped you with everything you need. 
He has given you everything you need. He has given Timothy everything he needs to be successful in gospel ministry. He's got it all. He's got a firm foundation. He's well acquainted with the scriptures. But more importantly, the Spirit of God is in this young man. The Spirit of God brings power and love and self-control. And he has access to that same Spirit of God that can raise the dead, the resurrected Jesus that, that armies of angels follow. That Spirit lives in Timothy. He's reminding his son, you have everything you need to remain faithful to God. You have it all, Timothy. You have it all. Then as oftentimes as um, we see in the scripture is before he challenges Timothy, he, he encourages him. So we see the three encouragements, one from friendship, one from his foundation, one from his God. And now um, moving on from verses 8 through 14, we will see three specific challenges that Timothy, um, that Paul is challenging Timothy in. First one we see is in verse 8. Read with me that. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. The first challenge that Paul asked Timothy to step up to the plate for is to share in suffering. Remember, Paul is waiting in a dungeon. Paul is about to die. And he knows exactly what's coming his way. He knows exactly what's about to happen. Paul has suffered much for the gospel. He has received tremendous persecution, unbelievable opposition for the sake of the gospel. And as his mind focuses on his dear friend, his beloved son, his advice, his encouragement, his challenge to Timothy is to share in suffering. Not to avoid it. Not to avoid it. Not to step around the suffering, but to walk into suffering. He's in a sweet spot right now, Paul is, and he does not want his son to miss out on the blessing of suffering for the sake of the gospel. He knows the blessings that exist there, and he wants Timothy to join him in suffering for the gospel. Things are starting to heat up in the area. Persecution is all over the place. Opposition is increasing, and he knows it is a guarantee in the life of Timothy, much like if you're a believer here this morning, it is a guarantee in your life as well. Listen to what Jesus says and to his disciples in Matthew 24, 9 through 11. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Those words that Jesus just said have become a reality for Paul. People have bought in to false doctrine. People are putting constraints on those who talk about Jesus. Regardless of the good that is happening, people that can't walk can now walk. Good things are happening, believe you me. If we look at Faith Academy, amazing things are happening down there. It, it won't matter. It will not matter. Suffering will come. Suffering will come. And as Christians, the idea of suffering should not surprise us. It should not shock us at all, as if something strange were happening to us. 
Our culture will become increasingly opposed, is becoming increasingly opposed to the message of the Bible. Our community is becoming increasingly opposed to the message of Jesus Christ. Suffering for his name will come. It might look different in every one of our lives. It might look different depending on where God has us, how he has us serving, who he's put in our path. Suffering will look different for each of us. But believe you me, if you stand on that foundation, if you speak and proclaim boldly through his spirit, the power that he's given you, you will suffer. You will suffer. And what is his advice to Timothy when it comes? Share in it. Don't don't avoid it, Timothy. Join me in suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. The next challenge that we see in verse 13 It says, follow the pattern of the sound words. Here Paul is calling Timothy to be sure, you and me, that we are to hold fast to sound biblical truth. Every word of this book is inspired by, breathed out by God. This is God's truth. This is God's truth. Every word of it is God's truth. Paul wants Timothy to follow the pattern he sees in it. And this is a hard, this is a difficult thing to do. Paul knows how Timothy will be tempted to water down the gospel so that it might be relevant for more people, acceptable, palatable for those, easier for those around him to listen to. Much like we are tempted to do, folks, we live in a relativistic age, in an age that does not believe in truth, let alone this truth. His encouragement, his challenge is to follow the pattern. Not just that you know this is the truth, but you actually build your life on this truth. See how the way he says it? Follow the pattern. Follow the standard. There is a standard. There is a way, a way to have a family. There's a way to have a marriage. Follow the pattern. Follow the standard. That's what he says. Follow the standard. Don't water it down. Many of us have aspirations, much like Timothy, to do great things for God, to see God accomplish great things through our lives. Paul's point to Timothy here, it will not matter what you do. It will not matter what you accomplish if you are not following the pattern of sound word. The final challenge that we see is in verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, then guard the good deposit which has been entrusted to you. Paul tells Timothy here that if he is to be active in protecting the truth, that he has received the gospel message and his job is he is to be active in guarding what he has. But what's awesome about this, okay, look at verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes. So these guys have already turned away from sound. He knows that he's being tempted to do this, to turn away from sound doctrine, to follow false teachings. He knows he's going to be tempted to do this. You know, I can think even in my life when when I was in college in 24-7, you know, probably 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago, there was many people who were influential in my life, friends who I can remember serving on missions with, doing Bible study, accountability partners. There was one individual who was incredibly instrumental in my getting plugged into this church, who now, some however many years later, 
are not walking with Jesus, have turned their back and bought into false doctrine. See, the problem, folks, is nobody in this room is going to sit here and think, oh, that, that might be me one day. I could, I could see myself following some false teachers. Sure, you never know. Nobody in here is thinking that right now. Okay, we don't think we would be susceptible to that. And I can't imagine my friends 13 years ago thought that either. Where they thought they would be now is probably radically different than where they are. Where I thought they would be now is radically different from where they are. Be active in guarding what God has entrusted to you. Be active in guarding it. Notice how Paul says it though. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. See, what's awesome about this, what, what frees me up, what relieves me, is that it's his spirit that he's given me which is going to guard what he's entrusted to me. It's not, on, it's not dependent on my abilities. It's not dependent on my intellect, but my dependence on his spirit. That's what it's dependent on. So if I have any shot in remaining faithful to Jesus, it requires dependence on his spirit. Apart from that, folks, I don't stand a chance. Apart from that, Timothy doesn't stand a chance. And apart from that, this morning, you will not stand a chance. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Real quick, as we kind of come to a close, what I would like us to do um, is to, if you just bow your head just with me real quick, um, you know, as we looked at the life of Timothy, I want you to, we talked about different encouragements, different ways that Paul sought to encourage um, his beloved son. Um, and what I want to ask you to do just, just right now, just in your heart, um, is to go to a place where you need to be encouraged. I mean, the, the great reminder for me, the thing that allows me to relate to our boy Timothy this morning, um, is that he needed encouragement. And if we're being real with ourselves, we do too. I need encouragement. If I'm going to be faithful to God, if I'm going to remain faithful to him and all that he's called me to, I cannot do that without being encouraged. Um, and so just some of those things that we mentioned, you know, just even what is it for you right now? How can you be encouraged? What is it that you need? Um, are there people in your life uh, who you need to be reconnected with? Are there folks who you need to be investing in to make sure that they have a firm foundation? Because when you're doing that, encouragement comes both ways. It's not just the one way. If you're like me, maybe you um, had a foundation that was put in your life by your parents when you were young and um, you need to be reminded of that foundation. I mean, thank God that you have it and that you have, you have walked with him this far through many storms. Just thank him. If, if maybe you have a different story and that foundation was not in your life, um, but somebody else came and stood in the gap um, for you, praise Jesus for their obedience, for their willingness to endure possibly suffering and ridicule to proclaim his name in your life um, and just the last place to be encouraged is just God himself he has given us the spirit he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control and there's nothing he's going to call you to do that you cannot accomplish he's given you everything you need just be encouraged Father God Lord we we praise you that you are a God who sits on high and who could easily snap his fingers and just make 
gospel rain down in our community. But your choice is to work through the ordinary, humble, dependent people in this room right now. You choose to work through your saints. Lord, and as you have called us uniquely in life in different places, whether it's at home, with our family, at work, or school, wherever you have us, Lord, I pray that you would make it very clear what we are to do to remain faithful to you. Lord, that you would challenge us to boldly proclaim your truth, regardless of the suffering we may endure, Lord. That we would stand on a foundation that is solid. But we praise you. Be with us this week, Father, as we step into only what you know and have in store, Lord, and what will help us to just be dependent on your spirit. We ask these things in name. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.